checking your emails and taking your calls. Ignorant and uninformed. All right. I feel ready. I think, yep, we're all right. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Ignorant Uninformed, America's favorite podcast. We're coming to you live from beautiful Keystone, Colorado, here in Consensual Studios at 545 Productions. And I am joined, as always, by our sophomoric hosts, Mr. Jeff Watson. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Max Sarakistan Sarak. <laughs> I am almost a junior, okay? <laughs> I, I believe that. They say your sophomore album is the either the best or the worst, so. Ooh, that and I am slump. Ben Hollywood Whitmore, freshman 15. <laughs> and this is your podcast where we take your topics and turn them into our show for 30 minutes, 50 minutes of uninterrupted <laughs> podcasting. 50 no. minutes? Fuck. No, we can't do it. Sometimes we go like 33, but that's about it. That's right. You make the world go round here at I and you, and Max is going to tell you what you has to do with it. You has to do with it, with the core concept of our show. This, The whole show was founded on the premise of your topics, our show, every week. Yes. And so, like, that's what we do. We take your topics and we Since create 2012. our show every week. And then because we think that T-shirts and dick haikus and podcasts are good ways to say thank you, that is how we say thank you for your topics. Um, yes. However, still not sure if that's, those are great thank yous. I don't know how compelling those are. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Ben's shaking his head. I think the evidence. I think the evidence speaks for itself, sadly. Yes. Regardless, <laughs> topics... <laughs> Uh, questions make the best topics, so please keep them coming, because uh, we like doing this show, and we like doing it for y'all, so hopefully you like it too. And you can add us on the Twitters, at Ig and Un, you can hit us up on the Facebooks with a topic, or you can click the Submit a Topic button, or just email us, topics at Ignorant and Uninformed. Um, yeah. So That's right. We need a topic. Do it. Should I reach in there? Yeah. Sure. Uh-uh. I just put a whole bunch in there. I know. Shout out, Ben. Ooh, is that a fresh one? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Ah, yes, it is a new one. This is from uh, Jill Parzik, who is uh, a friend of mine. Awesome. Thanks, and, Jill. And a, Thanks, uh, Jill. Uh, in, currently in grad school for costume design. Oh. And I think this may have been on her mind. Uh, history of costume design. <laughs> Go. <laughs> well, oh well, my. Okay. Ben, you might have to. Uh, I can guide this do a conversation orchestrating a here. Bit. Don't worry. If don't you, worry. Uh, 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 she wanted to hear us talk about costume design. I imagine uh, costume history does, in general, which, she, which is like you know, there. I did take a costume uh, history class. Does she know what this podcast is? Yes. Perfect. It's, yes, I said ignorant and uninformed. Cool about everything. So. But like I, you know, it's actually pretty fascinating. I had an awesome teacher who kind of talked us through uh, costume history and stuff when I was in grad school, grad school when I was in undergrad. Um, and it's it's really about like you know the types of clothing that people wore throughout history and how if you're doing like a Shakespeare piece or a, pe- a period piece of uh, theater, uh, I mean this applies to movies as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. costume design and, and historical costumes and in historical influences and all that kind of stuff is, is really kind of fascinating. I mean, you think about um, like a, uh, a movie like Black Panther, right? That got a lot of uh, uh, acclaim for its whole production design process. Dude, the architecture in that movie was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, the, what do they the call mix, it? The mix. Neo. Uh... 
Afroism or Af- neo Afroism. I think there's something like that. It was like neo African neo mud hut. Uh, <laughs> like, it, and Wakanda is like you know if if the yeah if the continent of Africa by, had yeah. remained untouched and and Left had like crazy by itself. Yeah, and and had crazy technology yeah. advancements more so than the rest of the world. Like, what would that look like? What would the aesthetic uh, of a of of the African continent mm. unspoilt by Mm. The white settlers, you know, like what would they, what would it have looked like? And I think that's really kind of cool. But also, it, it, the influences that they took from um, African civilizations uh, that that made it into the costume, everything from like the patterns they use on the clothes to the style of clothes, the you know the 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 evolution, kind of the theoretical evolution of like the lip plate, uh, you know, the guy with the big you know, expanded sure. oh, thing yes. in, the, in the lip and, or the neck rings to elongate the neck mm-hmm. kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which apparently, uh, can be kind of comfortable there. I saw an ad for some like inflatable neck pillow that like supposedly <laughs> kind of supports the weight of your head and takes it off your neck. And it supposedly mm. feels delicious. Mm. And I was like, I think it would just feel like someone kind of strangling. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not into choking, but yeah, if you're into that, <laughs> maybe, maybe if you're into that, you'd totally yeah, like yeah, that. Perhaps. Cause it's got like a little, like a little one of those arm cuffs. Oh, so you can make pumps. it super tight. Yes, yeah, so you like. <laughs> oh, you can auto. Oh, I you can auto erotic. Like yes, like a, yes. Like a Reebok years. pump. Is that? What pump? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So really, uh, I think that I think that really hits the question on the head. Because so, but no, I like, I'm sitting here thinking because like you talked a lot about costumes in the historical context. Yeah. Right. Because you're like recreating a, a point in time in a show. Yeah. But so like that's almost on like one axis, but there's also got to be like an evolution of the art of costuming that is like forward moving, if that makes sense. Like there are cutting edge costume designers. And yes, the costumes they're designing are for specific points mostly in the past because I haven't really seen too many stage shows set in the future. Right. Um, Are you, you talking they become more accurate? Well, I'm just talking about like those trends and evol- like I'm curious about those trends of like how like costuming is being pushed forward today and like the cutting edge of costuming today. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not explaining this. No, I, I get what right. you're saying. Like, I guess my mind goes to sort of like uh, more contemporary shows like um, like Hamilton, which is a period piece, but their their take on it as far as like the cast reflects more of what America is today. People of color and different backgrounds and from all over the world with the idea that, you know, these guys, the founding fathers were immigrants themselves. Ham, Ham, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, immigrants and smugglers. Yeah. Like, you know, basically like the, the people who came here for, you know, f- but not from here. You know what I mean? They weren't. We certainly... Uh, we're not founded by indigenous peoples, but but like, how? Okay, so my my point but being the correlation between like the American dream of coming and making a better place, and then the people who actually were like making the idea of the American dream. So what I'm curious dream. about is if Hamilton were staged in the '60s versus okay. it being staged when it was, how yes. would the costumes be different in those interpretations? Like that's what I'm curious about. Is like. Certainly. That's a very interesting question. As far as 
technology or the sign of the times? I don't. Or... Just in the art of costuming. Lots of velvet. Like, much like there's developments in all arts. Yeah. Like, right. Like I'm well, just I... curious. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd see a lot of the like revolutionary. I feel like it would be probably more. It would be truer to the historical context okay. back in the day. Now and now we're at a place where, like you know, kind of contemporary theater and neo modernism is kind of what they uh, maybe what holds sway. I could be completely wrong about that, but something that is contemporary, and this it's almost like. What they did with the show was they took a lot of the undergarments of the time and kind of adapted them for Hamilton specifically. But like kind of so kind of broke down the look. So it had that kind of the silhouette of that, you know, kind of tailored uh, like tailcoat and and vest type situation for the men and like the petticoats and corsets for the ladies. But then they didn't have like most of the ensemble and stuff is essentially in like very plain colored uh like undyed cotton uh type you know undergarment type situations then they throw on other things over it like alexander hamilton when the character of hamilton during the when the war starts the revolutionary war he puts on like this you know kind of blue continental coat that is that is a sort of a modern cut like it's not a true historical reproduction but it's true to the idea of it i guess and I think that's maybe what defines like modern costume design is uh, okay for for something that is that uh, I guess uh, like what's the word not that's a little more impressionistic and less historic like accurate you know what I mean like it's not complete realism mm -hmm. there's an element of like fantasy so be... and because they're rapping you know it's, it's like hip hop and Broadway yeah. So style choices. The, yeah, like stylistically. Yeah. It's a little more contemporary. It's a little more like broke down and a little more uh, impressionistic, I guess. Yeah. Of, of the actual historical concept of it. Yeah. But, no, that's cool. And like that's curious. That's kind of what I was curious about is like what what well, sort I, of trend are we in? Yeah. We're, we're, yeah. I'd, I'd say we're in. And your answer was busted. We were in the busted bust. broke down trend. <laughs> Well, like deconstructionist, I guess, is more the mm. the word than like they're deconstructed versions of mm. historical representations. Very I would say. Yeah. This is a deconstructed omelet. <laughs> Here's it's some a, bacon on the side. It's an egg. <laughs> yes. It's an egg and a slice of ham. <laughs> Whole egg, like shell and all. Oh, deconstructed. Ooh. So you get the ingredients: sack of bread, a jar of peanuts. Some grapes. It's so, a PB and J. Outside, deconstructed. Do the trends in cinema and television echo the trends in theater? Do they all do all costume trends move in the same trajectory, or does like I would imagine do they that branch like, out? They all kind of follow their like. I mean, and then you have to the big one as far as like what becomes costume is fashion, right? Like that's the the other kind of branch of this tree the clothes we put on our body for various reasons whether it's for you know couture fashion for everyday wear or for the purpose of telling a story on film on the small screen or on stage all of those serve different ends essentially but they're all doing the same thing they're informing people about 
A, the story that they're telling, whether that's the story of modern day and contemporary fashion or the story of Alexander Hamilton and, you know, but like, if, I don't know, like we're getting away from the, I guess, the history of costume. That's okay, man. The history. Just let it flow. Yeah, buddy. So you then know, what, is, what is my stained hoodie and jeans say about me? In the fashion, like, what sort of image message am I putting forward? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> okay, fair. Is is uh, uh, I don't know, slovenly. Like, <laughs> well, that, I mean, I think there's a story to be said. Like, if we were, if this was fifty years ago, we'd we'd bo- we'd all be wearing suits and hats outside most of the time. Good you know, Lord. we'd all have a job. That and sounds like, awful. You know what I mean? Like jeans. Sure. Were that's what you wore if you were, you know. Tossing the ball around with the with the kid, you know, like in the you wear them on weekends. Sure, and you'd still have your shirt tucked in. Or you're a farmer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't be wearing hats indoors. But it is like the history of certain garments is actually very interesting. Like the the way that like suit coats and ties and all that stuff has kind of transformed over time, based on fashion alone. Like what was involved, and and then it's like. And costume history comes into play when you're like doing a show that's set in a certain time, like a 19 in the you're doing guys and dolls, right? It's set in the the uh, like it's what is that, 19 like late 1920s, 1930s sort of type situation, like gangsters and prohibition and right prohibition going on during guys and dolls. God, I don't remember, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's like the 40s, doesn't matter. Go on, but you know, like just. I when I took costume history, there was a very interesting correlation between the size of shoulders in men's suits and the width of the tie in men's suits, and how that reflected uh, the state of the economy in <laughs> in uh, in each decade. Hmm. It's very interesting. So, like, is big when shoulders things good are good? Or bad? Big shoulders get big. Like, shoulders get big, but, like, when things are a little more conservative and a little more reserved, like in the 60s, uh, th- you know, shoulders get narrow, ties get narrow, uh, but, and then, like, you know, ties widened out again in the in the 70s when things were a little, it was a little more, uh, you know, things were on an upswing and it, society was, you know, the free love era. And so just what's it mean that skinny ties are back? We're fucked. Broke down, busted. Deconstructed. <laughs> I was thinking of. Uh, have you guys seen "Stop Making Sense"? The Talking Heads DVD no. concert video. No. Oh, David Byrne is wearing just this huge, comically big suit, and so when you're talking about shoulder width, yeah, double-breasted. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I just went to a funeral, but like the '80s were a roll of the '30s, like when ties were big and fat, and zoot suits and stuff were there. Sorry, you went to a funeral. I did, uh, <laughs> and. Uh, you know, all the wedding, all the clothes I have, all the suits mm. and stuff are from weddings, which like are all pretty dated now. Certainly, they are mm. no longer fashionable cuts of sure. suits and stuff. And so, like, I was being given a hard time about that shit and about being really like, out. Of, like, I mean, not like lovingly. It's family, right? Like, right. like pleats aren't in anymore. I'm like, well, fucking sorry. This, these are the pants I got. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you want from me? I put this suit on like three times. Oh, in take my out life. those shoulder pads, Jesus. Yeah. yeah, but I like the way they make me look broad. <laughs> Sorry. I've still got a San Diego's Chargers tie that I can't wear anymore. Oh. Oh. That's a collector's item now. It is. It is. <laughs> Do you but actually have a Chargers? Along with my Houston Oilers sweatshirt. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. I did have a Houston Oilers uh, 
like plastic football helmet that I mm. wore as a kid. Hmm. Why the Houston it was a, Oilers? It was a costume. I don't know. Oh, I just okay. picked it. I was just like, I Fair like enough. these colors. Yeah. Fuck you, Miami Dolphins. I was literally like four or five. Okay. When I Fair got enough. it. There okay. you go, man. I went as a football player. And I didn't want to go as a Green Bay Packer. <laughs> so I went as a Houston Oiler. I agree. Fuck the Packers. To... Yeah. I lived in Green Bay for a while. You did? Yeah. I didn't know that. I was like when? four or five. Oh, <laughs> no shit. I never knew that. Yeah. yeah. Wild. And then I've Florida? Lived in Omaha, Nebraska. I was born in Memphis, Tennessee. I lived in Omaha, Nebraska, then uh, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, and then uh, Lake Mary, Florida, then Jupiter, Florida, mm. then Longwood, Florida, mm. then Gainesville, Florida, <laughs> then Colorado, then New York, then back to Colorado, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> That's my life story. Fair enough. Time the to costume history of me. <laughs> Fair. I think there's something. Well, it's also like, anyway, so I took, we took this class about costume history and it was actually, it was just really a history class that focused on what did people wear. On clothes. Yeah. You know, and then it was kind of cool because our final project was we had to take a Shakespearean piece and set it in any other time period than the one it was set in or has been like, you know, famously adapted to film like, uh, uh. Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo oh, DiCaprio. Love that. Or like, or like, you know. Uh, you know, I got you. you. You're uh, cool, man. Othello. There so was a mid- Midsummer Night's Dream with uh, what's his name, Kevin Klein. Klein, that was set in like the 1920s or something. You know, like in the bikes and ten things i hate about you i love that one. yes and so we took romeo and juliet and and set it in a different and we had to like explain you know why we chose these two different factions to represent the two what time period some guy some guy in my class did like okay uh romeo is like the captain of the the university of florida gators football team and and juliet is the the head cheerleader for florida state sure (laughs) oh my god you know and i was like wow that's that was really reaching there, buddy. Yeah. But, but uh, if we'll execute, I mean, like. They must Yeah, die. so I set mine during uh, British imperialism hmm. and uh, that Romeo was a British soldier and ah. uh, Juliet was a member, was the daughter of a, of a Paul of Indian sheik. Okay. Oh. Uh, and Fascinating. Like, so they, you know. Did you make a bunch of racist choices for the Indians? Blackface. No, she was wearing like a very beautiful sari, and like it was, it was great. I, it was, I had to do sketches and stuff, which is one thing that I cannot do. No, dude, uh, fair know. man. So that was like, so a lot of us drew like stick figures because it was like <laughs> intro to costume history. So it was sure. like, hmm. but it was a fascinating. Uh, sh- and then we had to do another thing, like we had to do a basically a lecture on the different like a period of costume, and so I chose. I think I chose like the American Civil War, like antebellum. Oh, makes sense. You're a reenactor. I was very excited yeah. about that. So yeah. I was talking about like how the different branches of the military ended up with different colors and like, you know. Sure. It was weird. But it also saw the advent of the beginning of uh, what you would might consider camouflage, which is interesting because they had like sharpshooter units in, mm-hmm. on both sides. And those were like trimmed in green so as to not be seen in the woods. Instead of like bright red or yellow for cavalry or, mm-hmm. you know. And they were thought to be cowards. Yeah. Yeah. There was like, but it's kind of interesting. That's like the, one of the first uh, true uniforms that was issued in, like, 
the beginning of a camouflage cover. Color, interesting. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. But, uh, but then, you know, go back to like, they go to the classical period, like the Elizabethan, like Shakespeare's day, right? Like with the ruffs, the big co- frilly collar thing. It looks like a dog cone. Like you just sure. got. No, no, I got, Bob, I'm with you, man. <laughs> or like, and the, the, and like pantaloons and how those kind of like, you know, they had the big pumpkin pants. Well, you. And uh, tights. You... And then those eventually turned into like, like they went down to the knee and they were just kind of like baggy pants. And then, you know, like. Wasn't that, I mean, we were watching. The evolution of clothing is interesting to me. Force Awakens, Last Jedi. Anyway, you made a comment about Jodhpur's. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, like. Look as, at those Jodhpur's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I was like, oh, look at you, costuming. Fancy riding pants. Yes. Oh. Yes. Which is interesting. Sure. Is, I don't know. but So, I don't know, Jill. That's a, a <laughs> lot of what I know is based on movies and uh, the one that's class okay. I had in college. I mean, that's more than either of us. Like, I'm curious, Jeff, you've been quiet, and I know you... <laughs> You're doing great, Jack. No, no, I'm trying. No, I'm no. Trying. Dude, What's your favorite dude, historical period? No, see, <laughs> man, I ain't about that. I'm not trying. Focus. To, no, I'm curious because, but you watch a lot of you watch a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? Like your media, like mm-hmm. film and television mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And I'm curious, just if costumes are something that you notice, or if it just kind of gets like taken into the overall aesthetic. Because I don't feel like costumes are something I necessarily notice. I would say and it so, depends. Okay. I, I'd say I may more pay attention with like sci-fi movies set in the future. It's like, oh, so that's where they think clothing is going, you know? Like okay. watching The Expanse, it's like, oh, you, every different planet, the people dress very differently. Okay. And it's just, I find that interesting. Okay, so being more like predictive. Yeah, the historical costumes. part doesn't really interest me. I don't notice as much. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I was always fascinated by Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek for sure. And they're like, co- why and like do they how dress they... like this? Like the aliens? Or no, anyone. The, the officers. Okay. You know? okay. Just like their uniforms and how the, well, the uniforms like change after the second season mm. when uh, Riker gets his beard and then they go to the French collar, which is what that little like short stand up yeah. collar is called. Yeah. Little French collar. Well, even like the old Star Trek, they, was it the first Star Trek movie? The men wore like skirts almost. Am I imagining that? No, there was, there was uh, the scant. Which is what they call okay it. skirt fair enough. pants. Fair. Uh, it was basically like a long. It was sort of like a jumper, but yeah. it was like a skirt yeah. at the bottom. Yeah. And it was supposed to be like so. This is this is me getting into my one of my other fandoms. Oh hell yeah! So Gene Roddenberry in, envisioned a utopian future that that like only comes through basically what we're living through now. Uh, but you know, like the, <laughs> the broke down bus. Yeah, like we're the on nuclear our way. wars and like you oh, know, I'm sorry, like the post-apocalypse. Go on. Well, like, there's, like, this, you know, basically this huge war, like, you know, basically we go back to tribalism and just everything, nuclear fallout. And then we, you know, uh, Cochrane invented the warp drive, which got the attention of the, you know, the Romulans, and then we were welcomed into the Federation. And then everything got better because we joined the Federation. (laughs) Because aliens. Because aliens. And, uh, but, but, like, that this... That like gender roles and things like that were were kind of things of the past that everyone was seen on was on equal footing in all things, aliens, humans, male, female, whatever. So that like clothing was very kind of kind of plain and unisex, and like men wore like the the short sleeve scant, which was like a basically like a mini dress, mm-hmm. but like 
they quickly realized that that was maybe a little bit too far ahead of its time. <laughs> so then the scant an interesting the book. scant made less and less appearances in the next generation. Fair enough. Fair enough. But you know, it's it's very simplistic clothing. Like the mm. tunic is one of the most basic garments that's ever been created, and it's, it dates back to you know the the ancient Greeks and and the Egyptians, and even before that. You know, just a a cloth to a, a small, simple garment that covers the body, covers mm-hmm. most of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then uh, so I'd never heard of this is another interesting phrase that I learned in costume history. So you know the phrase to gird one's loins, like to you know, sure, to like to get to prepare for some a conflict battle, like you know, you gird your loins, you get ready. But it actually. Uh, Came from under, like so, men wore like tunic, like and, and like skirts, like you know, big wraps of fabric and mm-hmm. stuff, and that made you know moving in battle very difficult. So what they would do is they would like tie the skirt around their thighs and like like bunch it up so it looked like sort of a a diaper, sort of like a diaper, <laughs> yeah, but like more like, like so that you're like thighs, knees, and you know like you're. <laughs> Sandals and stuff, so you wouldn't get tripped up in your own robes. Sure, sure. So it's like, a terrible time to have that happen. But you're girding your loins. You're like tying up your clothes to like so you can mm. run into battle with your fucking interest. I mean, have you guys shit? Like I've definitely tripped over my own pants. Like have you guys like wearing like baggy sweatpants oh, yeah. like, or there's, like there's certain mm. clothes that you wear that you're like, man, if I had to move in these, I could. Yeah. And it's funny because like as an actor, when you're like auditioning and things, you just you got to uh-huh. kind of think about what you want to wear. Because if you can't, if if your clothes are too restrictive and you have a lot of active movement, or you're like, say, you get a dance call back, you're like, oh shit, I got to change pants so I can like move better in sweatpants and or athletic pants. Sure. Then like you know my nice dress khakis. Sure. With pleats. That's why you should always just replete with in pleats. Tidy whities. <laughs> tidy whities. This is naked audition, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm ready to move. Yeah, I will do new scenes. That, is, that, is that Crisco, sir? I just want like you to know. I'm yeah. girding my loins, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Start I'm, rubbing Crisco all just, on your Ben, thighs. this is just it a voiceover. Put on your pants. It's just a voiceover. <laughs> it makes you I have listen. To. I gotta get comfortable. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. I have to make the studio mine. <laughs> One, two, three. No own, pants. Own the space. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I hear you. So I don't know, it's just, you know, but it makes me uh, uh, think a little bit about, like, how, even how, how like, waistcoats and, you know, vests and things like that. And when if you had, even back to the, like, the French, uh, you know, Revolution Day, the 1700s, even back before that, like, post-Renaissance, early Renaissance type stuff, how, like, you know, a doublet turned into a tailcoat, turned into a suit coat, turned into the evolution we see in the 20th century of from like zoot suits and, you know, in the, well, in the thirties, but like even as early as like the Edwardian era, like 1910s and stuff like that, then that, that they, you know, had like, you had, you had a, a waistcoat and a, and an overcoat and, and many like, coats. Yeah, you had like a lot of layers. And then you kind of see those get down with the redesigned layers. and sleeked in the 60s, 50s yeah. and 60s, and then kind of like accentuated and added flair to, and they kind of got bigger and like yeah. you know, in the in this in this late 60s and 70s, and then the 80s kind of went off the deep end. <laughs> and then the 90s kind of like broke down, deconstructed the idea of the suit, <laughs> and that common everyday wear was 
jeans and t-shirts. You had the grunge movement in the 90s. Mm, fascinating. Which completely went counterculture to, you know, what the, the, the 80s kind of brought about. The advent of the yuppie, the big power suit and power tie concept. Shoulder pads, making yourself, mm. you know, look like a powerful businessman. Greed is good. You know, Gordon Gecko sure. style, lifestyle. Sure. The advent of the Trump era. Sure. You know. I think where we all just wear suits that are four sizes too big to hide our fat bellies. David Byrne stopped making sense. He was a little dude. But I uh I'm thinking here, like sitting here thinking about like clothes and stuff and just the whole idea of like the priming effect of like what we wear mm. and how mm. it impacts the way that people treat us in weird mm -hmm. ways and just like all that unconscious stuff of like Yeah. Deferring to doctors because they're wearing coats and that's like a you know, status symbol of authority and knowledge and how, like, just those little unconscious things that happen to us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other thing that I do find – this is the last thing I'll say. No, and please. This we... is me just reciting my lessons from the uh – -huh. So, so just... like, in the antebellum period, right, like the, the late – after the Civil War, the so late 1800s, right? Okay. You still had the kind of big hoop skirts, right? I've never been a pop country fan, but go on. Yeah, like, you know, the big – Florida exactly. Georgia line, baby. Yeah. Baby, you were song. <laughs> no, go on. Antebellum time. Sorry. And it was supposed to have these big hoop skirts, right? And then the, but, and the, the, with like bone, like boning. Oh, that was the, the okay, inside, yeah. the big hoop yeah. skirt, like, like Scarlett O'Hara, mm -hmm. right? And then what's interesting is like, you know, as Westward Expansion kind of started going into the late 1800s and into the early 1900s, you see like these women had these dresses and those were still like the main patterns with these big just all this fabric down there and then so what happens is as as westward expansion is happening it kind of starts to fall out of fashion and it becomes a form over function or a function over form thing that but they but women's skirts still had all of these all this excess fabric so what did they do they started like bunching it towards the back oh, and then that's where that and came that's from? where like a bustled skirt came from with that big you know big old booty on the back sure like because the skirts of the day weren't weren't you couldn't like do farm work sure, in them. Ride you a couldn't horse. do you couldn't ride a horse even side saddle like mm -hmm. they were just made for know. looking good, so the, you I take guess. out the the petticoat the big you know all the extra fabric and boning and the thing mm -hmm. that held the form of the mm -hmm. big you're bell not ball actually gown. shaped like a bell My yeah God. and then you just take up all that fabric Lies. and you like tuck it and pin it yeah. on top of your rump huh and then turns out men like booty, so they're like, hey, that's fashionable. That's hot, ladies. Keep that going. Mm -hmm. And that goes kind of into, like, into the, the – until we get to, like, the 1920s when, like, more, uh, like, flapper dresses and that culture starts coming in. And then so the skirts almost went away altogether. And that started when, when like, you know – less uh, reputable women would literally just lose the, the petticoat and the skirt altogether and be kind of in their like slips and their undergarments because that was more fun and easier to move in for dancing and things of the, the music and times of the 20s. Sure. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of see that look become an actual dress. With like, like fringe and like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. sure. Mm -hmm. They would start decorating what be was essentially an undergarment and make it a little bit less see-through. And more acceptable to see in, mm, so and then the line of the skirt like really whoop came in. Sure, and you see like the 1930s fitting. and the 1940s, sure. like the Art Deco walk. style. Sure, you know, and then it, in the 50s the, it starts shrinking again, starts going up. The skirts got shorter. Then mm. we end up in the 60s with like the mini dress. 
mm. which is really sort of a play on the 1920s flapper dress, which is interesting. So now women almost exclusively wear yoga pants. <laughs> yes, it is the, the natural final evolution of the which is fair. I love them. I love dress. them. Not well, no, but more just that form function over form that yeah. was like Western expansion, right? Like yoga yeah. pants are a very versatile garment as far as like doing Movement things. And... Yeah, there's just not a lot of fabric to get caught on things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we'll all have unitards. Of monochrome beige color. Perfect. Issued by the states, I'm sure. That's all we need. Well, that's going to do it for our time, Jill. I hope we uh, informed you. I hope we helped you with your final. (laughs) Or we at least made you laugh. (laughs) I sure hope so. I am curious to hear about all the things I got wrong, which is very interesting. Yeah, me too, because Ben knows that's like all I know about costumes now. I learned from Ben. So if it's wrong, let us know. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm I'm pretty spot on. I mean... I, I was going to high five you. A after class this episode. I took ten years ago. So yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Hey everybody, thanks for downloading and listening to Ignorant and Uninformed, America's favorite podcast. We've been your hosts, Mr. Jeff Watson. Damn right, Mr. Max Sarakis Dancerak. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Ben, for being here. <laughs> Good and I Lord. am Ben Hollywood Whitmore, uh, and this has been Ignorant and Uninformed. Make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast area you listen to us on. Check us out at Facebook on on Facebook at facebook.com slash ignorant and uninformed twank is on the twitter at ig and un you can also check out all the podcasts at ignorant and uninformed.com submit your topics to topics at ignorant and uninformed.com and we're gonna be back next week with a brand new epidose of hot ass freshness all up in your grill peace off